Hi everybody and welcome to 2020. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to Makeup Chair Psychology Podcast. My name is Angela Morris and I am so excited for the new year. If you know me in real life, you know that New Year's is my favorite holiday. I love it because it isn't as consumerist and as capitalist as other holidays. I don't associate it with buying things or with obligation. I spend every New Year's basically reflecting on the previous year and how much I've grown and I think of the things that I want to do in the next year. And in previous years, it's been about more material things. I think of the goals that I set last year, like I wanted to go to six concerts. I wanted to visit certain cities, that kind of thing. And I also declutter around New Year's. And so last year, I remember going through my house for a few days and throwing tons of stuff away or giving it away. And this year was so much more about mental and emotional clutter. And it's kind of strange for me because our calendar is a man-made calendar. It's not necessarily like planetary movement or alignment or anything like that, but there was a lot of talk of this being the end of a decade and reflecting not just on the year, but on the decade. And I thought a lot about that and a lot about what the last decade of my life looked like, what the lessons were, and I think the overarching theme was what I was holding on to that I didn't want to bring into the next decade. It is really astounding to me to look at what life was like 10 years ago when when it was 2010 I was a single mom of two really young kids I believe I was staying with a friend of mine who said that they wanted to help but they were having ulterior motives I was working 10 hours a week at a makeup store. I had no car, I had no money, I was on food stamps, I was in an abusive relationship that was long distance, and I had a lot of people concerned for me. But one thing that I did know is that I was a makeup artist. And looking back on some of the makeup I did back then, looking back at some of the decisions that I made back then and the level of skill that I had, I can look back on it and part of me wants to kind of laugh because the makeup that I did was so bad. (laughs) But this other part of me looks at the tenacity of that person and looks at their determination I don't think I ever said I'm trying to be a makeup artist or I want to be a makeup artist. I just decided that I was. And even though I wasn't as good at certain things as I wanted to be, I knew that I would get there. And in the times this many years later where 
I clearly have skills for certain things and yet I'm so racked with self-doubt or I say to myself, I want to be a writer. I'm trying to be a podcaster. I want to be a public speaker, these kinds of things. It really helps me to go back and think of that Angela from 10 years ago. There are a lot of criticisms I have of her. It's really easy to look back on your life 10 years ago and think about how stupid you were or the shitty decisions that you made. But honestly, and I do that too, but honestly, I look back and I just was going to do it. I was going to do it because it was attached to my heart and because it meant something to me and nobody was going to stop me. I didn't know how big it was going to get. I didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but I knew that I was a makeup artist and I knew that because of the joy that I felt when I did it. So it's really interesting to be here this many years later and to be really accepting and admitting to myself that 2019 was the year that I got burned out on makeup artistry. I never thought that that would happen. I thought that I would do this job until I physically couldn't do it anymore. And as I started to unwind a lot of the motivations in my life, I started to realize so much of my life and the decision I made, the decisions I made and the patterns that I made were based on this idea of value because of performance and trying to get close enough to people without getting vulnerable. And to go into that a little bit more, basically, I started having to look at every aspect of my life and say, why is everything the way that it is? And there was this underlying theme that I didn't believe I was valuable unless I was doing something for someone, making them feel good or making them look good, whether that was physically making them look good or making them look heroic, making them look philanthropic, making them look accomplished or established or successful, those kinds of things. And makeup artistry tied into that a lot. The other thing was the desire to connect with people and I've connected with many many people as a makeup artist in a very genuine way and sometimes that's for the day and sometimes that's for years but I noticed that there was a theme that I would show up to someone's wedding it would feel like we were best friends I would meet the most important people in their lives and then they would go off to be with their real friends and their real family and their real love and I might not ever see them again. And I hadn't really noticed that until this year. So I got ripped off by a couple of brides, which again, I don't think had ever happened to me in the years prior. And I was so burned out, I didn't even pursue it. I didn't pursue legal action. I didn't try to enforce the contract or assert myself. I was just so tired. And my last wedding of the year, 
I left and I was happy to leave and I cried because I didn't know what I was gonna do next. So we tend to think of patterns as things we don't like or things that hurt us. But one thing that I learned about makeup artistry is that there are so many things in my life that have had benefits or grew me, but they may have kept me stagnant because they kept me comfortable. Um, makeup artistry did great things for me when I think it seemed impossible. You think about my life and my upbringing and my socioeconomic background and my mental health, so many things. I think pointed to it's not possible for her to be successful and through makeup artistry I was able to find a passion, find a purpose, find safety, find identity, find friendships, find confidence, um, find abundance, find adventure, all of the things that really drive me. So um, when all this happened, I thought to myself, what am I going to do? Because makeup was my identity and the only thing that, you know, made me feel worth anything. So I think if this hadn't happened this year, I would not have realized that I tied my worth into doing stuff for people or that my entire identity was wrapped up in being a makeup artist. And I panicked about that at first, and then I just kind of surrendered and thought to myself, whatever I'm losing as a result of confronting these patterns that I don't want to be in my life anymore, then I need to let them go. I'm either not supposed to have them anymore, or I'm supposed to have a different relationship with them. So I still love makeup artistry, and I still want to do it. I think I want to, I know I want to do it in a different way. And this is really the first year of my whole life that I realized that I need to be flexible and adaptable to things changing. I've always had a very rigid view of things and I've always seen things through the lens of permanence and realizing that I don't have to completely abandon makeup artistry but I can have a healthier relationship with it has been so eye-opening for me. So when I had that purge at the end of the year this year, it was so much more about emotional purging than it was about physical, material purging. And recognizing the things that I do out of habit. And I realized that the way that I function with people interpersonally is stuck in the past and I did not want to bring that into 2020. I was still responding to stuff like I was a battered woman and I'm not a battered woman anymore. In fact, I haven't been a battered woman for years. Um, but acting that way was a habit that I developed to keep myself safe. Recognizing that I didn't need to do that anymore was really freeing but also I realized that I don't know how to not function that way so learning 
about the reality of that was really scary because when the way that you learn to protect yourself now prevents you from living the life that you want, figuring out what to do instead is really challenging. So in many ways, I have to start from square one or I have to relearn things that used to be no-brainers to me before abuse and before trauma. And also just realizing the ways that it leaked into every part of my life. It wasn't just my romantic relationships or dating relationships. It was my jobs. It was my relationship with my house. It was my friends. It was my parenting. It was the way that I look and act and the way that I present myself on the internet. It was so many things. And I did a lot of those things to keep people at a distance or to try to get people to listen or take me seriously or care or believe or invest in me or sometimes even feel bad for me. And I didn't consciously realize that. Um, Something that happened a couple days before New Year's was someone asked me, is there someone you need to forgive? And that was really hard because I saw forgiveness as something that you give to someone when they come to you and apologize and admit fault or that it's a gift or a release of tension when someone shows remorse over something they did for you or like a way to preserve a relationship or, you know, forgiveness to me was a release of responsibility or punishment. And for years, people told me to forgive and it really, really pissed me off. But then I realized that every pattern that I'm working to break off And everything that I want to change in 2020 and everything that's kept me back, everything that's held me back goes back to the trauma inflicted by the person that abused me. And I have not been with this person for six years, seven years, something like that. And our relationship started over 10 years ago. So... The fact that there's not a day that has gone by that I don't say to someone or to myself, you know, I do this or that because this person did this or that to me seven, eight, nine years ago is not something that I want to keep perpetuating. This all references that person. And I treat people like they are him or could be him or have traits of him. And I also reacted and responded to things really poorly in certain situations and then I would justify it by saying I do that because he did this to me or he told me this or he made me believe this or he made me think this or he made me feel this and it was coming to these realizations that I knew that he was the person that I needed to forgive. I did not know if forgiveness was the right word. I still sort of believe that forgiveness is the gift that you give to someone else of not holding them to consequence for their actions or not holding it over their head anymore, but that there's kind of that requirement of you have to own your shit. But whatever it is, whatever the word is or the term is, whatever the thing is, even if it's not forgiveness, even if that's not the right word, I knew that this was something I wanted to release and that it had a stranglehold in my life. 
The reality is that he is gone and what he's done is over. I'm not with him. I don't think he'll change. I'm not waiting for an apology. You know, I don't love him or miss him, yet he was influencing so many decisions I made about my fucking life. You can call that whatever you want to, but I knew at the end of 2019 that I was ready. So I wrote him this letter that I am not going to send him, but in it I said that I recognized that everything he did was in the past, it was already done, and most importantly for me it was about him and not about me. The things that he did to me were about his own brokenness. Everything he said about me was about him. And I realized that I don't want revenge anymore. I don't expect change or an apology. In fact, I don't think he's capable of those things. And realizing that, I wrote in this letter that I was not mad at him anymore or sad or afraid. And I actually have pretty neutral feelings about him. I thought of the people that I've hurt and the joy that I have lost as a result of carrying around the trauma that he inflicted and the things that I believed about myself and about other people and how the world works as a result. And, you know, first of all, no more of that. (laughs) I'm recognizing that I'm not just hurting myself, but I'm also hurting the people that I care about because I'm constantly testing them or looking for evidence that they could be a potential repeat of what he did. Also, I think that if you do any research on narcissistic abuse or narcissists, it's pretty widely accepted that narcissists kind of invade your brain and they begin to operate your control panel. So this causes victims of narcissistic abuse in a lot of ways to function or think the way that their abuser does because it's the only way to survive. You have to kind of stay one step ahead of your abuser and how can you do that for any extended period of time without starting to think like them? It doesn't make you a narcissist, but it makes you believe that you have to function that way in order to stay safe and stay alive and get the things that you need and want. I realized that him thinking and functioning the way that he does is not going to change, but for me, I can change. He only knows how to feel like he matters or has power by functioning this way. And it doesn't take digging very deeply to see that he and other people that do things like this hate themselves. People who love themselves don't abuse others, they don't rape people, they don't smear other people's names, they don't threaten people, they don't steal people's ideas, they don't do any of these things. So the ways that I've adopted his behaviors or allowed his behaviors to influence me or control me or keep me from doing what I want to do, um, the ways that his voice became my inner voice and my immediate response to stuff 
in reality was just a detour in my life. Even if it has been 10 years, even if it's been over a quarter of my life, it's not who I am because I have the ability to self-reflect and grow and change, and I have. And despite the fact that it's sometimes exhausting to think, oh my God, like it's been seven years since this, or, you know, gosh, I've been doing so much inner work for the last five years, or, oh my God, nine years since this happened and I'm still not over it. The fact is that as trite as it sounds, it doesn't define me. There was so much struggle in that, but a lot of the time I look back and I think of when I first left him, I really wanted him to hit rock bottom and realize that he lost me. And I wanted him to have that come to Jesus moment where he was like, oh my God, what did I do? Or who did I lose? Or, oh my gosh, I have to get Angela back or wow I've really done this to myself and he just didn't even he didn't even blink an eye he carried on he made himself a victim he went on a smear campaign and he completely rebuilt himself and not only did he rebuild himself he did so in an extremely prosperous way he got very famous He got very wealthy, he got very successful, and it was difficult to watch because in leaving him, I lost everything that I knew, and I was really struggling, and he just didn't miss a beat. He even told me while he was abusing me sexually, You thought you were going to destroy me, but I am bigger and more powerful than I ever was when I was with you. And that stayed with me for a long time. Basically, it was somebody saying, you tried to hold me accountable and you tried to ask for or demand respect and safety and love and dignity And because of that, you've lost everything and I have gained everything. And I think of those words now and I really take ownership of them for myself. He thought that I was nothing without him, but I am bigger and better than I've ever been with him. So... In this letter, I told him all of this, and I said, everything you did is in the past, and I'm ready to be done, and I want good for me, and he doesn't belong anywhere in that equation, even if he's physically absent and has been for a long time, even if I don't love him or miss him or hope he'll change, he was still such a driver of my decisions. So that is the biggest resolution that I have for 2020, and... I saw how every aspect of my life, but especially me as a makeup artist, it went from something that was fun to something that was a passion to something that established my worth and value. I was using it to try to prove 
that I was valuable and that I was lovable and that I was somebody. And I know that that relationship has to change. I mean, I have a podcast called Makeup Chair Psychology. And so obviously makeup artistry and all of the relationships and things that go along with it are incredibly important to me. But I absolutely see a shift in my mindset because makeup was never about the makeup. It was about the connection, about the relationships, and about really vulnerability as a radical act of resistance. When a woman or femme gets their makeup done, they are laid bare, like quite literally laid bare, and they're vulnerable and they have to say what they want and they have to confront their insecurities and communicate them to another person and trust that other person that they're going to work with those things to present a vision of themselves that they love and can see as beautiful and I will never ever ever give that up that is absolutely my life purpose so wrapping up if you're listening I just want to ask you to think of someone who you want to forgive or someone who you want to fire or evict as the driver of your decisions asking yourself if they should be making your decisions or not if they're the first thing that you think of or if the memories of how they treated you are what are shaping your decisions in 2020 if you would like to connect with me my instagram is at that angela morris you can also connect with makeup chair psychology on instagram at makeup chair psychology you can visit my website at angelamorrismakeup.com where I not only have my makeup portfolio, but I do have blogs not only on makeup, but also on visibility coaching, and I'm going to be adding so much more to that, which I'm really excited about. This year is totally going to be about writing and speaking and expressing myself in so much more of a dimensional way, not just being a makeup artist. So I would love to connect with you. And until then, I will see you next time. And in the meantime, be truthful, be visible, and be powerful.